Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast, brought to you by Violet Defense Technology. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or would like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of the technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Technology for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast brought to you by Violet Defense. Uh, we've got a couple of firsts today. Uh, I'm actually recording this episode on uh, May 13th uh, from the back of my Toyota Highlander. And we've got another first. Uh, we're having our first guest from the great state of Rhode Island, Arthur Entwistle IV. That's right. Uh, is a registered athletic administrator. And he's currently the assistant AD and the athletic trainer at Rocky Hill Country Day School in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Uh, Arthur, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. I, I like being a first uh, in a couple places. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see what my fellow ADs say about me being the first from Rhode Island. On hey, here. That's right. You're, you're representing. Okay. Well, I'm going to do my best. Well, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to college, and, and maybe how your path and your love of athletics uh, led you to um, Rocky Hill. Heck yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have an interesting story. I feel like everything in my life has kind of fallen into place on its own. So let me get you, we'll go back to uh, kind of the beginning where born and raised in Northern Rhode Island. And um, I grew up in a little small town called Pasco, Rhode Island in Barville, which is kind of an off, offshoot little town inside of Barville. Lived on a lake, uh, very active kid running around all over the place. He couldn't slow me down. And, you know, being, being from Barville, I played ice hockey. It's a, if you didn't know, Barville's a big ice hockey uh, town. Um, we compete with some larger named schools, at least at the high school level. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mount St. Charles Academy. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we, we growing up, uh, you know, they were one of our rivals and sometimes we would win and sometimes they would win, but they had a very good coach and coach Belisle there that uh, would run the table for years and years for championships. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a, a small little town on a lake, a lot of swimming, a lot of boating, a lot of fishing. First job was at a supermarket, uh, stock boy and bagging, bagging bags. And um, after that, I, I got into, since I did a, live on a lake, I got into lifeguarding, which is probably what set me down my path for uh, the, the, uh, the health and wellness and the, you know, the athletic training future. It just got me taking care of people. And that's kind of what I like to do. I like to take care of people. Um, from lifeguarding, I, I met my, basically one of my, my biggest mentors, which is uh, my cross country coach at the community college of Rhode Island. 
So he was, he was our, he was the, um, the head lifeguard when I was lifeguarding at a, a local beach. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. It was, you know, 1998 and I was about to graduate. And I didn't know if I was going to go to college or not. And he said, you know what, you're a decent little runner. He's like, you should come to CCRI, figure out your life, um, run some cross country for me and, you know, see where it goes. So I would not have gone to college without his pressure. So I went there, ran cross country, ran track, uh, found out that I was actually good at school and um, kind of kept going on from there. So here's where, here's where my life takes a, a weird turn is I ran, C I ran cross country and track at CCRI with a young man who then when we were getting ready to leave CCRI said, you know what, I'm going to this four year school up in Vermont. I'm going to run some cross country and figure out my life. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be your roommate. So I followed him to uh, uh, Linden State College up in the northern Vermont, about an hour from Canada, um, and ran cross country there, joined every club imaginable, and ended up actually playing my senior year ice hockey, which, which was interesting going from being about a 115-pound cross-country runner to trying to get my weight up to about 140 to be able to play wing in a, in a D3 NCAA ice hockey team. So wow. that was, that was interesting. That was tough. It, you know, it was hard to put on that amount of weight <laughs> after running so much. After that, I went, um, I, I graduated from that college with a allied health science degree. Athletic training was kind of just beginning to become a certified process. Um, and you needed to either have so many hours of internship time or so many hours of, 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 um, I don't know, basically experience before you could even sit for the, the certification exam. Right. And I didn't have enough, but what's weird is the school I went to had a partnership with another college down the road called Plymouth State University, Oh yeah. which when I graduated from Linden, I was able to get in no matter what, you know, they, they, I didn't have to take any entrance, anything because of the partnership they had. So I went there, got my master's in athletic in education, got my athletic training um, degree, sat for my certification and uh, ended up, that's kind of all my educational process of what happened. Um, but you know, as far as the athletic path, I just want to tell you, I just want to give you a little bit more information as far as how I ended up where I am now. Those are those, you know, that was just the educational path and, and how things worked out. But, you know, one of the main reasons I got into athletic training was I was injured in a high school ice hockey. I was trying out for the team and I was a freshman and I was checked into the boards and I ended up not making the team, which, which was devastating because that was a friend group that I had all my life. So there was no, they didn't have an athletic trainer there. I, I don't, not really sure if they do now, but, you know, because I didn't have that support, I, I was just kind of left to the side and I never got back into ice hockey, had to find a different friend group. Um, and that was one of the motiv motivating factors for me going into in sports medicine, um, trying to get there. Uh, once I graduated from uh, Plymouth State University, I got, a, got an internship. I got really lucky and got an internship with the Red Sox through their uh, professional baseball athletic training students kind of um, organization that they have. And I worked for the Paw Sox for a full season. And this is what led me to my first job. So I, I worked there for a full year, 
Come to find out the vice president of the team's daughter goes to Rocky Hill. And he knew that I was just about done with my internship. And he saw that they were looking for an athletic trainer and he said, you should apply. So I applied to Rocky Hill back in 2007. And I've been here ever since in various roles. Wow. Uh, I always love to hear these stories and uh, I'm, I'm starting to not be surprised at the common ground. Uh, a long time ago, um, you know, about 96, uh, I spent one year uh, as an uh, assistant football coach and the head track coach at Norwich University in Vermont. And so those places you're talking about, hey, I've, I've been there. Uh, so very, very cool. And uh, it, we've had a couple of athletic directors on that are also trainers and uh, i know that my life is busy enough as an ad i can't imagine taking on the role of uh, the athletic trainer in addition to that so uh you know my hat is off to you sir okay. thank you very much you know I, I forgot to mention i also worked in uh, cape cod baseball for three years which which was great uh, oh, i got wow. to see well, a great great uh, learning environment yeah. uh, you know for a coach and trainer wow well, a funny story real quick, though. Can I do a funny story? Absolutely. So when I was with the Paw Sox, I got to know Jackie Bradley Jr. pretty well. I don't know if you think he's still with the Yankees. Um, but the funny thing about that is I went to Cape Cod Baseball after my internship, and I really got to know Jackie Bradley Jr. And I was telling him as he was coming up, I was like, listen, you have a good arm. Like, someday you're going to take the place of Jackie Bradley. And it, it kind of worked out that way. It was, was kind of neat. <laughs> Hey, you never know whose life you're going to be uh, touching. You, um, you mentioned early on um, one of your mentors, and we always like to touch on that because uh, none of us got where we are by ourselves. So who were some of those other mentors that uh, encouraged you, challenged you, pushed you uh, along the way? Well, I would have to say definitely my parents. You know, they, they weren't pushy either one way or another, which was good and bad. It kind of let the path develop for itself. Um, but you know, they, anything I wanted to try, they said, you know, go ahead, take a, take a chance, sing and dance. My mom would always say, uh, so, you know, they were, they were very important. And like I said, my, my cross country and track coach for community college, Rhode Island, set me down the path for at least getting a degree and, and, and for, for at least starting the process and, and trying to figure out who I could be rather than just being stuck in that high school, that high school mindset. And, maybe never leaving the town of Barville, which seems to happen a lot um, in my community, but uh, definitely am. And yeah, I mean, those, those are the, probably the two, two major sources, my parents and that, that one coach that has have really set me down my path. You know, and, and of course, of course, like, you know, in the, in the daily, you, you, when you're working with people for so long, you start to pick up on, on some things. I've had plenty of mentors come and go in the school that I'm at as well. Um, developing as you know the professional aspect of, of who I am as well. Let's go and follow that path a little bit. Um, we have a lot of younger ADs and you know new ADs to the profession that yeah. listen to the podcast and we always stress the importance of getting involved at you know your local level, your state level and with the NIAAA yeah. and uh, you're currently an RAA so talk a little bit about that experience. Um, how did you hear about the leadership training program? And, you know, how did you go about getting your RAA um, uh, endorsement? That's what I was trying to say. Yes. 
Well, it, it, you know, everything is deeper than it than it appears. You know, everyone has a story that's you never really hear the full story. Um, but I guess my mine would sort of begin when I had to take on the athletic director position and be the athletic trainer at the same time. We had some budgetary cuts, and we had uh, had to um, we had an AD that that uh, stepped aside, so I had to take his place and fulfill both roles. And I did that for four, five years. And during that time, I said, you know what, I really have to you know, up my education in this, this athletic directing stuff. Instead of having to depend upon other ADs the whole time, I wanted to get a little bit more education um, and show that I was really committed to being an AD. And that's why I, I got involved with the RIAAA. The previous AD that we had was a certified athletic administrator. And I'm currently on that path. I have everything I need. I just need to fill out the certification and sit for the test. Um, but I'm, I'm actually waiting on our new AD to finish up what she needs to do as well so that we can take it together. So now, you know, we'll basically have two certified athletic administrators in our program, which will be very, very helpful. And, you know, I found that going through the um, NI, NIAAA was, was very helpful in the whole process, getting you to find where to take the courses. Um, our, our state association was able to give us funds to be able to get the take take everything for free. It's It's been very, very, very helpful. It's been um, a great way of building up the knowledge and a really good uh, reminders of what you should be doing and, and, and things to think about when you are going through your day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities. So yeah, it, that's kind of how it went. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that and I'm so glad to hear that you are uh, on the cusp of getting that uh, CAAA. Um, I was on the National Certification Committee for a number of years. I'm still the state coordinator in Florida and so I wouldn't be doing my job if, if I wasn't pushing people to, uh, yeah. to get that next certification. So uh, well done. Okay. We're getting there. <laughs> hey, for our listeners, we are visiting with Arthur Entwistle, the fourth. Uh, he's the assistant athletic director and the athletic trainer at Rocky Hill Country Day School in Rhode Island. We're going to take a quick break and uh, hear from our podcast sponsor, Violet Defense Technology. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of the technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Technology for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Welcome back. We're visiting with Arthur Entwistle from Rocky Hill Country Day School. Um, Arthur, we've um, just got through uh, one year plus of having to deal with COVID. So share with our listeners a little bit. Um, how did that all play out in Rhode Island? Uh, how's it looking moving forward? Uh, and not just as far as return to school, but also return to sports. Uh, what's happening on the COVID front? 
All right, so I got to tell you the future is looking good. Future is looking bright. I think there's a lot of positivity for the fall. Um, you know, as the state is, is right now, the current state we're in of a state is backing, backing away from any, um, a lot of the policies that were put in place. Our mask mandates are changing. Our social distance uh, protocols are changing in the state. And it's, it's good and it's bad just because we have about a month left of spring sports. So it kind of complicates things with our changes that the state is, is saying we can do. <laughs> Um, where we just really, I know personally, I just want to get through the rest of the year doing what we're doing without having to make any huge changes would be, it would be helpful. Um, but as far as the state, we, we, um, we work with a group called the Sports Medicine Advisory Committee, which I am a member of. And the Sports Medicine Advisory Committee will discuss with our state league association, which is the Rhode Island Interscholastic League, um, right now, that's the only major league in our state. We have a bunch of offshoot private school um, leagues, which I'm the president of one of them. But SMAC of Rhode Island works with Rhode Island Interscholastic League because it's most of the public schools in the state to come up with policies and plans and procedures for each sport for each season. And they've done a, a phenomenal job working with the Department of Health and passing protocols that allow for Rhode Island to actually have sports, all seasons of sports. We had, we've had every single sport um, take place this year, just having to follow a couple different protocols. A lot, of it's, a lot of it is masking. Masking has basically been the thing that we have fallen back on to be able to have our sports this entire year. So masks, um, coming up with policies for hand sanitizer, at, at locations, social distancing, capping number of, of, of people inside or outside, which is also changing. So, so throughout the year, the SMAC, Rhode Island Scholastic League and Department of Health would go through and come up with sports specific guides um, that would allow the sports to take place. That was then communicated with all of the ADs in the state and kind of went from there and, and, and it's gone fantastic. And I really want to praise the, uh, the admin of the Rhode Islanders Scholastic League for taking, for doing it, you know, for basically taking it under their coverage to, to, to look into and to go forward with and, and incorporating a sports medicine advisory committee group, which, which is really good because it's saying that athletic trainers are important, nurses are important, doctors are important, in making these decisions. And I feel like without having that group um, signing off on the, on, on each season or each um, sport, it, we might not have had these sports take place because it was recommendations, you know? Right. And it's, it's so challenging because uh, you know, one, even within States, uh, Florida, for example, you know, we had, um, a, a so-called state response, but there were different responses from school districts in the panhandle where I'm at uh, that were different from what people down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale were doing and, and across the country. You know, we still have schools and states that haven't reopened. So yeah, what a challenge, but as I've heard many people share, uh, who better to deal with that challenge than athletic directors and also athletic trainers and, and what we have to deal with every day. So thanks for yeah. your work on that. That was great. Um, Arthur, one of the things we try to do with this podcast is uh, share what we call best practices. 
So I'm uh, going to give you a, uh, an opportunity here to brag a little bit. Uh, what are Good, a couple of right. initiatives at uh, your school that you're particularly proud of that when you look at those, you can say with equal parts pride and uh, humility, boy, we do this better than anybody else. What are a couple of best practices at your school? All right. I don't love bragging, but I can definitely talk about some of these things. And, you know, and I, I want to start first by saying I wish that all schools in the state could follow the lead that we have. It's not as it's for, for some schools, it's not as easy to be able to get some of these programs that we've, we've been able to initiate here at, at our school. Um, let's start with the, the most recent thing that we were able to, well, I, I pride myself highly in this because I'm, I'm primarily one of the, the person that lines all, the, all of our fields and we have six beautiful fields on campus. So I was able to get recognition for our fields through Pioneer Athletics for uh, fields of excellence. We're the second, second facility in Rhode Island to ever get the fields of excellence recognition through Pioneer Athletics. So that was a big deal. We just got that this year. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. And, and, and that's just showing that you have pride in your, in your institution. I mean, it's something that anybody can do. You just need to show that pride and, 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 and be happy about what you have and work hard at keeping it, keeping it, um, keeping it looking good. We are also at Rocky Hill, a two-time Safe, Safe Sports School Award winner through the National Athletic Trainers Association. That just basically means that we follow best procedures and protocols and best practices in after-school sporting activities in safety, having a physician, having, making sure that we're getting pre-participation physicals, having athletic trainer coverage at all events, AEDs and training and, and everything like that. Um, so that's, that's also a big deal. And it's something that you can do if you have an athletic trainer at your school, um, which is something I'd like to talk about in a little while, because that's a, a major thing that we want to try to push for in Rhode Island. Um, we are also a safe sports zone through National Federation of High Schools. So we're doing okay, you know, that's, that's, those are three of my biggies. Um, but you know, another thing that I would encourage any AD or any new admin to do is try to work with, uh, collaborate with, like with the athletic world. You know, athletic directors, sometimes you feel like you're in, in one little box, but you know, you're affected and affect other groups such as the Athletic Trainers Association, such as um, maintenance, just, I would encourage people to collaborate with your athletic world, you know, and to get a better understanding of, okay, yeah, you're paying all this money to get this done, but why, why, why are we spending all this money on our fields or, 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 you know, work with the official associations and try to figure all, all, all things like that. So collaboration is key. We've also started, um, using, uh, social media templates. That's a big, a big change. That's one of my favorite things is, is, is social media and bragging. So I've, I've been starting to use templates to kind of make things more streamlined and, and, and easier to follow. Um, and like I said, we have the best, some of the best fields in the state. That's my pride and joy right now. That's my current pride and joy. Oh, well, it's definitely coming through. And, and it's, it's so important because, you know, yeah. people walk in that stadium, they walk in that gymnasium, you know, th that's what they see. And, uh, you know, when it comes from the top and filters down through, you know, the coaches and to the players, you know, everybody uh, uh, helps uh, celebrate and establish that culture, you know, very, yeah. very, uh, yeah. 
important. Um, also, um, and a question we've been asking our athletic director since we started this uh, revolves around this idea of social awareness, uh, social justice. And I was just wondering, you know, from your perspective, you know, what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators? What are some things that we can do better uh, with our kids, our coaches, our community, uh, as far as being socially aware? I, I think that what's, what's interesting about the topic you just brought up is you were talking about culture right before it. And cultural development, is, is it's got to be a top priority as an athletic administrator. And, and you know, I, I guess speaking for the culture here, when I, when I took on just the AD role, I, one of my biggest concerns was culture, trying to build up the culture and, and, and make people kind of responsible for following the culture of the program or of the school. And in collaboration with our new athletic director, we, we kind of figured out a, a calling card for our, for our uh, culture building. And we went with, we went with the Mariner way because we're the Mariners, but inside the Mariner way is uh, resiliency, effort, and pride. So in everything that we do, whether it's in school or in sports, resiliency, effort, and pride must be incorporated. So we have that as a fallback mechanism for our, our culture of our school and of our program. So I, I think culture is, culture is very, very important. Um, in, in regard to other issues, you know, things that, at least things that we need, I don't know about as far as current social issues, but I, I have some things that we as ADs can do better. Um, you know, we as ADs, especially young ADs might have a hard time with the cultural uh, college athletic support piece, uh, meeting with our athletes, figuring out what they want to do after high school. Um, having some kind of network to network with college coaches uh, is very important. Um, in the regular parent spectator education, education, you know, how, to, how should they react in the stands or, 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 or right. represent your school also? Um, and like I said, the uh, other big, huge piece is getting athletic trainers in our schools at Rocky Hill and Rhode Island, I mean, mm -hmm. is, is a big piece for me. But tackling the current social issues, I mean, everybody has to be on, on board and, and understanding. And it, and it really breaks down to treat everyone that, the way that you'd want to be treated um, and, and just try to support each other instead of trying to break each other down. Absolutely. And appreciate you sharing those other points. You know, you're spot on. Well, Arthur, this has been great visiting with you, finding out uh, what's going on in uh, the great state of Rhode Island, but we're not done yet. Yeah. We always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, you've been doing this for a few years, but yeah. right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items? are going to go in Arthur Entwistle's athletic director toolbox. All right. The things that I wish I would have known when I was thrown into the position of a new AD and not really understanding anything. Um, I'd say number one would be kind of talk to the old timers. Talk to the people that have been around for a long time in your school, in your organization, in your league. 
get to know them, just sit around and hear the communication that they have. Don't, you don't really have to pick their brains too much, but get to get to, get to see how they act around other people, how they communicate. Um, so yeah, talking to the old timers is, is very important. They might, they might become that mentor that you need along the way. And they know people, they know a lot of people. Um, I guess my second one, I used to spend a lot of time in admin meetings doing writing emails or responding to things and texting people back and driving myself crazy. Yeah, but I did find that for the most part, a lot of your emails can wait till the next day. If it's a weekend, a lot of them can wait. Um, and, and being able to kind of shut that off and, and pretend they're not there until a later day. You can look at them real quick, but there's no need to respond hastily or, or quickly on the, for the most part. So don't stress yourself over emails that are, wait, that are impending. You can get there. And I guess my third is, you know, it's so much better to be proactive with planning and preparation than it is to be reactive. If you have a good base in place, then you'll know where to go if something happens. So do your work beforehand, plan out situations and prepare for the worst, but expect the best. Uh, that last uh, line it reminds me of something I heard as a first year teacher, uh, an optimist can never be pleasantly surprised. So uh, <laughs> uh, I love your uh, suggestions though. Uh, the idea about, you know, listening to the old timers, connecting, establishing that network, um, you know, holding off on the emails. So Ed and AD mentioned, uh, don't be afraid to push the off button, you know, off yes. on your computer, on your cell phone. Uh, so that's a good one. And then the, the importance of planning and being organized. You know, you, you just can't over uh, emphasize that with, with any sort of AD. Yeah. Arthur Entwistle, it's been a pleasure. If one of our listeners wanted to reach out and um, pick your brain, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Hey, email's fine. Um, so if you'd like to, you can get me on email at, let's see, we'll go, it's hard to do. Anywhere we can type it in or anything like that? Uh, we're old school here. Uh, actually, what are, what are we challenge people to look it up on the uh, NIAAA portal. Okay. You can look me up. Okay. I'm also the uh, the admin for the Facebook page, Secondary School Athletic Directors. If you want to reach out there as well, we tried we tried starting that up. Um, I, I, real quick, I, what happened was I'm part of the Secondary School Athletic Trainers group. At the time, I was also the AD, so I said, you know what? Let's make a Secondary Schools Athletic Director group. Um, and then I found out that there's someone had also made a, a high school athletic directors group. So now we're at the rep two of them and everyone's putting the same thing on both of them, but that's fine. You know, more communication, the better. Uh, you can look me up there. You can look me up on my Rocky Hill Country Duel, uh, Rocky Hill Country School Day website. I'm on Twitter at artentwistle4. Um, so I'm everywhere. He's omnipresent, <laughs> okay? Yes. Arthur Entwistle, thank you so much for being on the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you, sir. For our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are also being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.